0: All right, we're going we're gonna to open things up with some prayer this morning. We're going to have a space for you just to speak to God silently. If you want to confess some things, you can do that. Uh, so there'll be a period of silence. Then we will also have a period where you can lift up prayer requests. Just say a name of a person or uh, some kind of situation out loud, and we will uh, kind of lift those up together. So let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you for this place. I thank you for each and every person in this room this morning. Some are here because this is where they are every Sunday. Some people are here because somebody invited them. Some folks came because for whatever reason they woke up this morning and just had a stirring that maybe they needed to be in a house of worship this morning and this is the place where they ended up. I think that we are all connected and that uh, we are especially connected to you and so I don't know that there's any coincidences in any of that. And so I'm grateful for the people assembled in this place this morning and I expect to see and hear and feel something that moves us into a new space in our relationship with you and with each other. And so we're grateful and we are expectant this morning. We know, God, that there are um, some things that we've done this week, some things that we've left undone. We have really um, latched on to our own egos and our sense of uh, self, and we have done some things that were self-serving this week. When what you have called us to do, what Jesus has called us to do is to begin to uh, look beyond ourselves, that the, the self really needs to die so that we can see uh, the harvest field for what it is, that the part of what we're called to do is get out of ourselves and to see each other and to love God and love neighbor, and we've failed to do that this week. Just frankly, we, we have failed to do that. But that doesn't surprise you. You know that we're going to make mistakes. And, and, uh, but we want to confess these things to you. I want to open up just a little bit of space here for silence so that if there is something on the individual heart, uh, some way that we want to just kind of unload some of that stuff that you are ready to hear. Uh, that you are already in the, in, in the mode of forgiveness, but part of receiving that forgiveness requires that we are honest about ourselves. And so as we pray, just hear us now and relieve us of that burden. got reminded of John 3:16, probably the most famous Bible verse there is, that the appearing of Jesus in our midst 2000 years ago proves how you feel about us. That Jesus came to us before we even confessed anything, before we even thought to confess. So confession, we know from the appearing of Jesus is not about earning your forgiveness, but, but really kind of embracing it, leaning into it. That because Jesus came, we know this is true. We know how you feel about us and we thank you for that. God, we also come into this place this morning with heaviness in our hearts, not because of our own mistakes, but because we care for people that we love. We have family members, we have friends, we have co-workers, people, we are surrounded by people that are suffering this morning, either because of illness or because of uh, depression, uh, because they're working through some stuff. There are situations that that we are unsettled by because we don't know how things are going to turn out and and we're afraid. And so we want to know that they're going to turn out well for everybody involved. And And you did not intend for us to carry those kinds of burdens. I mean, that's another reason that Jesus came (laughs) when He said, take my yoke, take that yoke off of your neck, lay that at my feet and take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and light and it is rest for your souls. And so we want to unburden that yoke from our necks this morning. We're going to just open the floor to call out names of people and situations As we do, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Mark Eisler and Donna Kilgore. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Brother Stacy.
1: Lord, in your mercy, hear our
0: prayers. Shirley Sides. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Darren and Janet Bearden. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My husband.
1: Lord, in your mercy, hear our
0: prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our 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 prayers.
1: Lord, in your mercy, hear our 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 prayers.
0: Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, okay, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The family of Mike Klein. Lord, Lord in your, your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Christina Dulu. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Robert Pearson. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oliver Children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. <speaks> Lord, in mercy, hear our prayers. <inaudible> Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Joanne Skeen. Lord, Lord in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, I'm sure that there are some unspoken requests in this place, too. We lift those to you. I'm sure that we have some in Facebook land, folks that are maybe typing stuff into the chat box or maybe just holding on to it at home. We lift those into your care as well. Thank You for removing that burden from us. We trust that You are working toward the good of all that love You, and we certainly love You. Now free us for worship this morning in spirit and in truth. We expect to hear and see You today. We expect to leave as a changed people. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to read our scripture passage for today, and then we're going to take up an offering, but I want you to be able to hear this first so that it can begin to sink in what we're going to be talking about today. This is a story that you all are probably very familiar with. This comes from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Listen now for a word from the Lord. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. And this is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Brandy and I had a conversation this week about the Peanuts gang. Do you remember Linus? Which one was Linus? The blanket guy, right? Linus carried his blanket around everywhere. Of course, the other kids in the Peanuts gang made fun of him. They're trying to get him to get rid of that blanket what was uh, comedic ag- about that, I guess, is because uh, security blankets are fine for, for babies and young children, but when you get to a certain age, you're supposed to let go of that blanket, give that, that security. Uh, my, my good friend and college buddy, Jason Swarovski, wrote this blog post that went viral. You probably heard about it this time in which he noticed Linus actually let go of the blanket. Did you read that blog post? It was in the Christmas special that aired, used to air on CBS year after year after year. And in the scene where Linus is trying to tell them about the true meaning of Christmas, and he quotes from Luke, uh, the angels coming, and the angel said, uh, be not afraid for born to you this day. Do you remember that scene? Okay, if you go back and watch that, during that scene, for a second, Linus drops his blanket. As the angels say, fear not. And so Jason, my friend Jason, said this was the one moment in which, uh, which uh, Chuck Schultz was connecting uh, faith and fear. Like in the face of faith, we, our fears dissolve. And so Linus just, I mean, it's like there's not a big deal, but he drops the blanket for a second. He's not holding on to his security blanket. But I guess, you know, I was thinking this week that really, and no matter how old we are all of us need a security blanket of some form or fashion in certain moments in our lives we all have these periods that we go through in which we lean on something uh, the Bible you find yourself reading the Bible extra uh, you're really praying extra more than you normally do or whatever it is you uh, so, thank you so much, David. All of a sudden, I came into, came into being there. Um, but all of us need uh, a security blanket at some point. You know, in our story today, uh, the Israelites were journeying into something brand new. You got to think they had been living in Egypt for 400 years. 400 plus years. This, this was all that they knew. They had never been anywhere else. They had never seen anything else they had heard stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and they understood how they ended up in Egypt but after 400 years Egypt is home that's it and so here this crazy old guy who stutters and he's carrying a walking stick and he's got this crazy story about a burning bush comes to them and says hey it's time to move God wants to to lead you out of this place and into your own land, out from under the thumb of Pharaoh and into the hands of God in your own place. And the way that God would accomplish this is by sending an angel of death. That doesn't sound fun. Uh, In fact, Stacy played for me a metal song (laughs) this week from Metallica about the angel of death. You know, that that conjures... uh, Images I don't know that I'm, I'm happy about. Now, this might have been the way that they uh, personified some kind of plague. Maybe they had like a, like a, a COVID-1280 uh, BC that came through. We have COVID-19, maybe they had COVID-1280 BC. I don't know. This might have been some, some sickness that swept through the land, and, and, and they kind of imagined this angel of death. But either way, something scary is happening, and it involves death and sickness And in the process, Moses is saying to them, God's going to deliver you and God's going to lead you out. And death would pass over you. And so this is what God says to do in light of that. Uh, I want everybody to go out and grab a sheep or a goat. I want you to hang on to that for for four days. And then after four days, I want everybody to, to kill the animal, roast it over fire, I want you to take some of the blood from the animal and put it over the doorposts. And then I want you to eat that meal and be ready to leave when it's time. In fact, eat your meal fully dressed, sandals on, your, your, your uh, robe girded. And what that meant so you imagine, you, you imagine they all had these things. If you, if you needed to run or if you needed to move quickly, you would take that and gather it up and tuck it into your belt so that your legs were exposed, so that everybody tuck it into your belt and eat fast because it's going to be time to move quickly. And then God said, and by the way, I want you to do this every single year because this is going to be a thing that you do to remember. This thing called the celebration of Passover, this this eating of a lamb and and bread that that doesn't have yeast and matzah essentially, and, and bitter herbs. I want you to do this every single year, and this is how you're going to remember this day. So this is going to be a new beginning for you. In fact, I want you to count this as your new New Year. You know, we've got, imagine we've got, we've got January 1 as our New Year. We all celebrate fireworks and, and the New Year all over the globe. Imagine God coming into this space and saying, I want this now to be marked as your brand new year. It starts right now. And so, you know, we talk about this, the journey begins. For them, this really was the beginning of a new journey out of their old way of life and into something they had never seen or experienced before. And it's going to involve this angel of death and this roasting of a lamb and painting the doorposts with blood. And so Passover became, as you can imagine, a very, very important thing in the lives of Jewish people, even at the time of Jesus. We're talking talking over a thousand years later uh, that this was inaugurated at the time of Jesus. Passover is still very, very important. So important that the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, when Jesus gives the the, the meal that we're going to participate later, it's in the context of Passover celebration, They are celebrating, Jesus and the disciples are in that upper room celebrating Passover and it's during this meal that they have done their whole lives, that they've been doing for thousands of years, that Jesus says, take some of that matzah there and and, and breaks it and that's when he says, this is my body which is given for you and and the wine that they had been drinking around the table, He, he takes and pours some of that and says, this is my blood and this is the new covenant, this is a new beginning for you. But it was in the context of... A Passover, but the John, the Gospel of John, John does something very different with it. It's really interesting. Because John thinks about this day in Egypt, this night. And he thinks about those lambs that were slaughtered and prepared and roasted over the fire and the blood that was painted over the doorpost. And he says, John says, you know what? Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God which removes sin and death from the world. And so what John does, instead of Jesus having the the communion meal, the Passover meal with the disciples, John puts the death of Jesus one day earlier at the time that the lambs were slaughtered. Isn't that interesting? So you would go to Jerusalem and you would take your lamb to the temple and the priests would slaughter the lamb and then you would take that home and roast it and, and eat it for the Passover. Jesus is hanging on the cross in John's gospel at the moment those lambs are being slaughtered. So John really wants you to make a connection between what happened in Egypt over a thousand years ago with what is happening right now with Jesus on the cross. He wants you to make a connection between the blood that is painted on the doorpost with the blood that is now dripping down the cross. He's being very intentional about having his reader see the connection between those two. Uh, Anita in her Sunday school class this morning, they put blood on the doorpost. Look at, look at the doorposts. Did you see the red pieces of paper? Isn't that great? It's awesome. So here's the question that came up for me this week. I'm going to ask you. The blood that they were to paint on the doorpost that night, kind of a weird thing to do, but do you think it was on the outside of the door or the inside of the door? Outside, right? Outside. Why is it on the outside? Outside. So the angel of death can see the blood and will know to pass over the house, right? That's what we've heard our entire lives. That's the way that we have heard the story. Where's my Bible? I'm telling you all, if you read the Bible slowly, slowly, if you don't read it so fast, oh, I've heard this story a million times. I'm just going to read right through it. you read it slowly, things begin to pop out. Chapter 12, verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. Not a sign for the angel of death, a sign for you on the houses where you live. Meaning, the blood is not for God's benefit. The blood is not for God. The blood is like your security blanket. It is for you to know that death will pass over. I started digging into rabbinic commentary on this text. Rabbis have been interpreting this text forever. Guess what some of the rabbis say? This blood was applied to the inside of the doorposts so that as the family is seated around the table with their loins girded and staff in hand and they're eating the roasted lamb... The mom, the dad, the children are glancing up at that doorpost covered in blood and they say, God said everything's going to be okay. This is a sign for us that we will be okay tonight and that we will be walking out of this house with our stuff and leaving. That's what the rabbis say. Isn't that interesting? Completely changes the story for me. As if God already knows who He's saving, God doesn't need to see any kind of blood. God says the blood is a sign for you. If it's a sign for you, it wouldn't make sense to put it on the outside of the house. You need to see that security blanket because we're all like Linus. So then here's the interesting experiment that we're going to do today. If you take the Jewish understanding of the purpose of the blood at, at Exodus, and we move it forward like John does into the death of Jesus on the cross, now what we get is a sacrifice of blood not for God, but for the people. Not for God, but for the people. A sign that God will make good on His promises. A sign for us to gaze upon and know that God will deliver us from death. It's a very different take of the cross. If you've ever wondered why Jesus had to die, I've heard that question a million times. Why did Jesus have to die? Couldn't God just forgive us? The answer is yes, and he did. The blood wasn't for God. The blood was not because God needs some kind of payment. The blood is not because God needs something if he's going to forgive us, some kind of exchange here. The blood is because God knows that we're all like Linus We need some kind of proof, some kind of sign that things are going to be okay, some kind of tangible object to fix our attention on in our darkest moments. And what better sign than God in the flesh shedding His own blood for our assurance? What better sign is there than this? We've been talking about it for over 2,000 years. It must have made an impact. We have been talking about the brutality of the cross. We have been watching Mel Gibson movies. (laughs) We have been looking at crucifixes with Jesus hanging on it for over 2,000 years. It has made its impact on us, even if we don't quite understand the purpose of it all. Even if we mistake and think that it was somehow for God, it was actually for us. Now, Paul already knew this, the Apostle Paul. He wrote about this all the time in all of his letters to the churches. This is how Paul interpreted this message of comfort, this security blanket given for us. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God is not counting anyone's sins against them. Don't believe me? Look it up. God is not counting anyone's sins against them. 2 Corinthians 5.19, the cross tells us this. Romans 8.15, you have been freed from slavery to fear of death. That's what the cross tells us according to Paul. 2 Timothy Timothy 1.10, death has been abolished. That's the message of the cross. It's a sign for you. It's a sign for me. It is that thing to gaze upon and know God is a good God and God will keep His promises. It's funny because Carmen, I think it was Carmen, years ago, the, the, the evangelical Christian musician had a song called, This Blood's For You. It was a play on words, This Bud's For You. This Blood's For You. And we hear that and we go, This blood is for you, meaning this blood is for God, which benefits you. That's what, that's what he meant by that. What we're saying today is, No, this blood is actually for you. God doesn't need the blood. God already knows who He's saving. The blood is to tell you God is serious about you. God is in love with you. And God has always been in the business of giving us signs. Always. God has always been in the business of giving us signs. Think about this. What did He give Noah? The sign of the rainbow. Why? Why? The rainbow is not for me. The rainbow is for you to know the earth will never flood again. That's a sign for you. So you can look up in the sky and know you don't have to worry about this anymore. To Abraham, he gave the sign of circumcision. Not my favorite sign, but nonetheless, he said, you know what? When you do this, you'll know you're part of my covenant people. It doesn't doesn't change how I feel about you. It's a sign for you. When you circumcise your baby boys, you'll know we're in this together. We're part of God's people, God's covenant people. That's what this means. To Moses, at the burning bush, he said, Moses, I'm going to give you a sign. Okay, God, what is that sign? Well, after you lead the people out of Egypt, you're going to wander around a bit, and you're going to end up right back here at Mount Horeb, and I'll meet you here, and you're going to worship me, and I'm going to meet with the people, and this will be your sign. When you are wandering around, and all of a sudden you gaze up and you go, well, there's Mount Horeb, it'll be a sign that you know I was with you the whole time, that I was leading you and guiding you. To Joshua, when they crossed over at the Jordan River into the, the promised land, he told Joshua, I want you and, and the people to to." Collect 12 stones, and I want you to pile these stones up, these 12 stones right here at the edge of the Jordan. And this will be a sign for you. When your children ask you, what do those rocks mean? Why are those rocks lined up? You can say, that means that God was faithful. It's a sign for you to know how God saved you. King Ahaz, scared that his his enemies from the north were going to come down and attack, And the prophet Isaiah said, ask for a sign. And Ahaz said, no, 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 no. I would never ask God for a sign. Why not? God's in the business of giving signs. Ask for a sign. Ahaz said, no, I I don't want to do that. Isaiah said, fine, here's the sign. A child's going to be born, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And before the kid uh, knows uh, the difference between right and wrong, This whole situation is going to go away. Your enemy will be gone. That will be the sign for you. Emmanuel is the sign. Jesus, of course, gave us baptism and communion as a sign that He would be with us always. That's why we take communion every single week, to remind ourselves, Jesus is with us. And then, of course, God gives us Jesus as a sign. All of these given throughout the history of God and his people, signs that all shall be well, that I will do what I said I would do, that you can count on me, that you can trust in me, that everything's going to be okay. Hold on to that blanket, Linus. Everything's going to be okay. And I wonder, I wonder if there are signs in our midst right now that we have not been paying attention to. I wonder if there are folks in this room that are wrestling with something that God has offered you a security blanket in some form or fashion that maybe you have not recognized it as such. Maybe it's something that only you would recognize. Something that doesn't mean, a pile of rocks means nothing to me. Right? But to the people of Israel on the banks of the Jordan, what does this mean? Maybe it's something that only has meaning for you. Maybe it's something really, really weird like blood on a doorpost. That would just be weird to me. But to them, it meant something. They gaze upon it. God said everything's going to be okay. We look at the blood on the cross. God said everything's going to be okay. Perhaps whatever this sign is, marks the beginning of a new season of faith for you. Maybe you're at this low point, this dark point and God is giving you something to say, everything moving forward from here on out is brand new. This is your new year. This is where the journey begins. Maybe that's what it means. Folks, I've I told you the last 2 weeks, I believe that God is with us always and everywhere, at all times, closer than you can even imagine. I had you take off your shoes last week to feel the ground and to think about God is in this nasty restaurant carpet. I had you reach out and hold the hand next to you and think about the idea that you are holding a divine hand, that the image of God exists in the person to your right and to your left. A God who is so close to us needs nothing to change something within Himself. I don't believe God is that kind of a God. That God needs some kind of something to change so that we can be in close proximity. It's the way that we have been taught about the cross forever. That Jesus essentially saved us from God. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think God has always been in close proximity to us, has always been with us. We are the ones that think something needs to change here, and God says, you're right. And so I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you something that you can hold on to. And I think the cross is the greatest of these signs. Folks, as you journey into this new season, as we move forward here, my prayer for you is that you see the sign that God has given you, that you interpret it as such, and that you cling to it and say thank you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. form a big chain around this place, will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. You're probably going to make some mistakes this week, as we always do. But even when we make those mistakes, it doesn't change how God feels about us. That's what the blood is for. You can look at the blood and know it doesn't change how God feels about us because God's love for us is not based on our performance. Amen and amen. God is love so that when He looks at us, He says, Y'all, you're nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you can leave here believing a pinch of that message, has the power to change everything, your entire outlook on your week. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go in peace.